Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show Bright and early In the studios of trash <laughs> Listen I'm feeling great uh, The deadline For NFL franchise tags Was yesterday we got some news you guys know where i was starting on this one you knew it you knew exactly where i was gonna start today and i'm here to get into it i'm fired up have my uh have my energy juice (laughs) i'm feeling wonderful feeling lovely on this frigid morning oh you might be listening to this at night maybe in the afternoon i don't know but over here in the east coast in the northeast it is cold a little bit of snow flurries in the air. I'm here to bring the heat. What up, Cyber family? If this is your first time listening, welcome. This is Sometimes I'd Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally. Let's waste no time. Let's jump right in. The Giants have signed Daniel Jones to a four-year, $160 million contract with $82 million guaranteed at signing and upwards of $35 million in incentives. Word on the street is one of those incentives may be winning a Super Bowl. You know what I say to this deal? Huh? (laughs) That's what I say. Matter of fact, Yes, even while he's confused. Why? Why? And you know the best part of this deal? Not that you're giving Daniel Jones an average of $40 million a year. But they did it. They got the deal done with Daniel Jones because they wanted to use the franchise tag to retain Saquon Barkley. Huh? What? Look. If you listen to the show, then you understand that, hey, you know, John doesn't like Daniel Jones. John thinks Daniel Jones is overrated. John thinks the world got too excited about Daniel Jones. Sure, sure, all of that is true. Except for the part that I don't like Daniel Jones. I don't dislike Daniel Jones. I just think Daniel Jones should be placed in the conversation with a Taylor Heineke um, way more than he should be placed in the conversation of a $40 million franchise quarterback. I think it's ridiculous that Daniel Jones is going to be in the top third of quarterbacks as far as pay. But I get it. You're all going to tell me, hey, it's the way the market goes, man. Hey, man, that's how the market goes. The next guy up gets the biggest contract, man. I get it. But it's dumb. That's a dumb standard. You want to know why? Because, what was it, right before last season, Kyler Murray got a really big contract. And you know what we all said? Eesh. You paid him all that money? Hey, Deshaun Watson got $230 million guaranteed. You know what we all said when they did it? Ugh. They're going to give 230 guaranteed to him coming off a suspension? Hey, you know what we all thought when Russell Wilson got his deal and the year turned out to be what it turned out to be? Oh, man, I bet you they regret that. Yeah. Yeah. So every time the next guy up gets his money, 
there's always some criticism, especially if it doesn't work out. If you go through the salaries in the NFL right now, it is littered with guys who are getting paid big money that you yourself would say, ugh, bet they regret that. <laughs> Do you remember who was the guy? Who was the guy? Uh, God, what's his name? The one that went to um, Matt Flynn. Yeah, I remember Matt Flynn played a couple games in Green Bay, had some big numbers, so like a five-touchdown game, 500 yards, something crazy like that. And guess what? Seattle needed a quarterback. They said, hey, we're going to go out and get this guy in free agency. Paid him big-time money, whatever the market was. Got what he wanted. Then they drafted a guy, too. Name was Russell Wilson. Guess what? Matt Flynn never started for the Seahawks. And everyone said, ugh, probably wish they didn't sign Flynn, huh? My question is this. Number one, let's start with, let's get off Daniel Jones when it comes to this first. Let's not start with him because Daniel Jones is whatever, you know, we, we, we're getting, we're going to get into that in a second, but let, let's talk about the basis of why they made this move. They wanted to hurry up and get a long-term deal done with Daniel Jones for two reasons. Number one, because in the event that he goes out this year and lights up the league and torches the league. They didn't want to have to say, well, next year the price could be $50 million. So let's lock them up now, long term. So in the event that, you know, next year he goes out and has an unbelievable year, we don't have to worry about the price going up. So let's get him at this price, which will be better than if he goes out and lights it up. The problem with that thinking is Daniel Jones has been in the league for four years. You didn't pick up his fifth year option. You didn't pick up his fifth-year option because you saw what he did in the first three years and thought, ugh, I don't think this is the guy. Then you get a new coaching staff, and to Daniel Jones' credit, he came out this year, and he played better. Slightly. I made the case a couple episodes ago that Daniel Jones actually didn't really improve much, but that his numbers and the season he had is very consistent with the season he had the previous few years. That's what I said. That was my case I make. But even if you want to go on the basis of, all right, I'll say it to you, he improved, his season was better than you expected. Look at it. 15 passing touchdowns? Look at it. Look at, like, look at what his production was. Do you really think, do you really believe that Daniel Jones is going to go out and torch the league next year? You said to me, he had nobody to throw to. What the hell is going to change going into this year? Are there like these top flight free agents that are on the market right now that I'm, I don't know about? You got, the, you got these legit like Pro Bowl receivers who were just out there ready to sign with the Giants? Or are you banking on the fact that the receivers you had are going to improve and take a giant leap from being nobody to throw to to all of a sudden being ready to torch the league? Are there are you are you going to draft some top flight? Are there top flight receivers in this draft that are going to come in as rookies and just whoo, blow the league away? So 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 how is he exactly going to torch the league? You don't believe that. A fan, a Daniel Jones fan, fan doesn't believe he's going to come in next year and light it up. You don't believe that as a fan of Daniel Jones. 
So, okay, that's reason one. Reason two, even more perplexing, is they wanted to save the franchise tag to use it on Saquon Barkley. What? What? Look, if there's anything you know, if any, if there's anything we've learned, when they drafted Saquon at number two overall, the question was, do you use a top five pick on a running back? Hell, when the Gi- when the Cowboys in 2016 drafted Zeke, the question was, do you draft the quarterback in the top five? Is that value? Do you need to do it? Should you wait? Is it smart nowadays in today's NFL? That was the conversation then in 2016. Now, look at Zeke. Everyone thinks he's washed. Even fans of the Cowboys say, ah, you probably got to cut him, let him go, start over, get somebody else, anybody else. Giants fans would say, Zeke is so terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens to running backs on their second contract. A vast majority of running backs will not produce through a second contract. It's just the way it is. It's just the nature of the beast. If you get a running back and you get five good years from a running back, thumbs up, man. Great. You wanted to use the franchise tag on Saquon? Have you looked at the draft this year? I'll put it to you this way. I have 10, my top 10 quarterback, my top 10 running backs don't include who the national consensus is, is the number one running back in B. John Robinson. I got 10 running backs I would take before him. And he's considered to be number one. It's loaded at running back. Hey, you want an undersized, super fast running back? Got plenty. You want an oversized, bruising running back? Got plenty. You want a middle tier Decent speed, decent power, balance, just well-rounded running back. We got those. You want running backs that are going to be great in the screen game? Got those too. What are you looking for at running back? They're all in the draft. They're all in the draft. You went out and overpaid for a quarterback who underperformed. Underperformed based on his draft position. Drafted number six overall. He's underperformed. He has not lived up to your expectations. And as a fan, you have to say he had a really good year because he ran for 700 yards and because he threw for 3,000 yards and because he threw 15 touchdowns. Oh, my gosh. Pay him for pay him whatever he wants. Because we can't franchise tag him. No, 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 no. We can't franchise him. Uh Uh-uh. Because we need to franchise Saquon. What are you what are you doing? Saquon Barkley has played two seasons where he's had where he's played every game. Other than that, he's missed time. One season he played two games, missed the rest because of an injury. Not his fault, not blaming him for the injury. But then in the two other seasons, in two other seasons, he missed time. He's going to miss time. He's a running back. Running backs. Don't get a second contract and live it through. And if you say, well, we we got we got him on the franchise tag, it's $10 million, and hey, at least we got him for this year, and then next year we can move on. Why are you waiting until next year to move? Just move on. Now, I get it. 
If you franchise tag Daniel Jones, that $32 million tag, that all applies to your cap this year, which is going to financially strap you, make it a lot harder to get talent around them. I get it. So getting a long-term deal done was important. I get it. The number is what's concerning to me. Because how long? All right, so let's say they come out this year and they start the season. They come out the gate two and four. He looks exactly the same as he did last year, but they're two and four. You don't think the conversation is going to be, did we overpay for Daniel Jones? If Daniel Jones comes out and has the same exact season he had this past year, are you still happy you signed him? Now, I know people are going to say, yeah, but they, they got in the playoff. He got to the playoff game. They won. He looked great in that game. Yeah. Yeah, true. All true. But I, I, they started 6-1. and one. They started 6-1, and one, finished with nine wins. Very easily can come into next year and have a really down year. They could, come, they could end next season 7-10. and 10. It's very possible. And if Daniel Jones has the same season he had this year at 7-10, and 10, you're not raving about Daniel Jones. Stop it. Saquon Barkley does not need to be on this team. What has he done for you to give you the confidence to say, there's no better than Saquon? There's none better. No. It's dumb. You Let Saquon walk. Let him test the market. See what he can get. Bye. See ya. Daniel Jones doesn't need a running back. He needs receivers. Like, what are you talking about? I just I don't I don't know what they're doing. I don't understand it. I, I think they're trying to they they literally put all of their eggs in this basket and said, This is the guy, he's going to get better. And I'll say to you, you have four years of evidence to show. Has he gotten better? No. No, it's been it's been very consistent. And it's like, yeah, but they got a new coaching staff and look how well he played. Yep, still very close to what he did the year before and the year before that. The only difference was he didn't turn the ball over as much last season. But we've seen guys who have a who just look kind of crappy produce a really good year. Somebody pays them and then they go right back to what they've always been. Hey man, it is what it is. But hey, congratulations Giants. Congratulations Giants fans. You uh you you got you got your quarterback locked up. Uh, you got your running back locked up. You guys are set for a Super Bowl run. Not sure that I see it, though. Let's move on. Another another one, another player who got franchise tagged is actually Tony Pollard of the Cowboys, running back. Again, I say the same thing to them that I said about the Giants. Why are you worrying about holding on to your running back in this year's draft? This is the year you draft the replacement. Now I get it. Tony Pollard in his time in Dallas has gone from he needs he needs more carries. He needs more carries. He should be the lead back. He's the guy. And he's had some really good games. He's had some really good moments. But you've never seen it for an entire season. You've never seen Tony Pollard get the bulk of the carries for an entire season. You've never seen it. 
You don't know what that's going to look like if he has to be the guy with 27 carries a game for five straight games. What does game six look like? We don't know. Can he hold up? We don't know. This year was the first year that he started getting more and more touches and being more and more of a focal point, and he got hurt. Again, not his fault. Not blaming him for the injury. But the reality is, is running backs are a dime a dozen. Because you are very dependent on the offensive line doing their job and opening up the spaces for you to run. If you got a great offensive line, hell, Darren McFadden ran for 1,000 yards for the Cowboys one year. Hey, DeMarco Murray ran for 1,800 yards. The best year he ever had. Never, never duplicated anything close to that. Because that offensive line was stacked. So to go out and say, well, we got to, let's franchise Tony Pollard. We can't let him walk. He's coming off a broken leg. You know what I would do? If I'm Steven Jones, if I'm Jerry Jones, I say, look, we want to bring you back. We want to bring you back. But we're not going to pay you probably anything close to what you want. So, go ahead and test the market. Go see what you can get. Go ahead. Go ahead. Test the market. Go, you know, if you can go find a deal, go ahead, bring it back to us. Give us an opportunity to match it. And then we could go from there. Because maybe he goes on the open market and the best deal he can get is at six or seven million dollars a year. At that number, maybe, maybe I'd match it. But how long? Because, again, they have another running back on the roster who signed a big deal for his second contract that you just had to keep. And he broke down very soon after because running back is a very tough position. You take a beating over and over and over. And most running backs don't make it through a second contract. Because if you're a running back and you were running back in high school and through college and through five years of the NFL, you're taking a beating and your body eventually says, hey, no mas. That's what you're seeing with Zeke. His body is just saying, "Yo, I can't do it no more. He can't do it no more. And again, that like it is what it is. So if you want to franchise Tony Pollard, draft a guy, maybe bring another guy in, groom someone and say, all right, we're going to keep Pollard for one more year and then we're going to move on. I don't like that strategy because what if Tony Pollard comes out and has an amazing year? You can't just let him go now. You can't say, well, you know, we're going to let him go. It's like, then why did you bring him back for one year? And if you're bringing him back for this year because you want to work on a long-term deal, like how much longer do you want to have to pay Tony Pollard? I just I, I just don't understand. When it comes to the running back, I'm in the camp of, are you generational talent? Are you just can't miss, got to get this guy? Like Zeke, Zeke was worth the number four pick. He was. Even coming out of college, it was like, yo, this guy, like it's obvious. Look at it. It's obvious behind this offensive line where at the time, Tony Romo, what he could do in that, like if we could get this guy to plug in, like, come on, we're set. Great move. To an extent, even Saquon Barkley 
was like, all right, this guy, like, if it works out to its full potential, gotta draft him. Not mad at that. But for the most part, most of these guys, it's all right. You know. Even in the draft, I don't think there is a great running back prospect. I don't think there's one that's like that guy, undeniable, going to be great. I don't think you have to be. See, football is the ultimate team sport. So you don't have to have great players at every position. On offense, you only need one or two. And the rest can just be good players. And you can win a championship. Like, if you if you look at, let's look at the championship winners this year, the Kansas City Chiefs. They don't have great receivers. They don't have great running backs. They got a great quarterback. If you get a great quarterback and you give them good weapons around them and a good roster around them, you can win. You don't have to have a great quarterback with a great running back and a great offensive line and three great receivers. and You don't need all that. It's a team sport. If your team averages a B, you could win a championship. That's what I'm saying. If I if I were the Cowboys, I wouldn't have franchise tagged Tony Pollard. I would have let Tony Pollard test the market. And if he came back with a deal that I felt like, well, all right, I'll do that, then I would sign him. But I would have a number in my brain and I would say, this is my number. This is what I'm willing to do because I have to go into it with the belief and the understanding of he's probably not going to live up to this by the end of that contract. So maybe it's only a three-year deal. I know that's not what the player wants to hear, but hey, man, we got to do what's right for the team long term because your career will end before mine does. There you go. So... Again, it's just a lot of football news. So apparently the Jets are pursuing Aaron Rodgers, like full on now. So like, you know, representatives from the team flew out to meet with Aaron Rodgers. And again, I've said it for two straight weeks now. I don't understand it. I don't know why they would do this. Why are you still pursuing Aaron Rodgers? Like... I know, I know you're probably yelling at your you're probably yelling at your your devices right now as I'm saying this. <laughs> but what I'm what I mean is not why, because I get it. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's a great player, legend, a Hall of Famer. If he's at his best, like whoa, there's no one else better. I get all of that. I get all of that. But I do think you also have to look at trends. Okay? So number one, Aaron Rodgers hasn't won a Super Bowl, hasn't gone to a Super Bowl, hasn't sniffed a Super Bowl. Since 2009. I don't know if you know this, but it is currently 2023. 2009 was a long time ago. It's a long time ago. So he hasn't shown you. He's not He's not a Tom Brady. Even Tom Brady at 45 has shown you, hey, I'm, I'm close. I can still get you there. Aaron Rodgers hasn't shown he can still get you there. It would be it would be fair to say that Aaron Rodgers, that Super Bowl run could be akin to a blip, a fluke, an outlier. You know what it's like? It's like the Knicks when they won 54 games in 2012, 2013. Even as a fan, you knew like, ah, this is kind of a fluke that they won that many games, that they had that good of a year. It's kind of fluky. 
But it happened. Yeah, it happened. Yeah, it's kind of, eh. I'm not really buying it. I don't, I don't think going into next year we can expect this to be the new norm. That Super Bowl may have just been like, oh, that was just the stars aligned that year. It happens all the time. Cam Newton got to a Super Bowl with the Panthers. Never sniffed another Super Bowl. One MVP got to the Super Bowl. Oh, never, never sniffed it again. You would look at Cam Newton and say, well, maybe the MVP year was kind of like a blip. You know who else is like that? Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz at one point was an MVP candidate before he got injured in Philly. And everything went downhill from there. Nah, it was just a blip. He sucked before. He sucked since. Like, that was just a blip. That was just one of those years things were just clicking for him. That's what you all say. So I'd look at Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, maybe that championship run was just a blip. Just everything worked out that year. Because if you played for 18 years and only one time did you get to a Super Bowl, chances are eh, you probably like things just aligned for you that year. Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, the, the, the NFL history is littered with these guys who win a championship and never win another one or get close. Now, of course, I'm not comparing Aaron Rodgers to Trent Dilfer or Brad Johnson. He's way better, obviously. It's not about his talent. But what I'm saying is he hasn't proven that Aaron Rodgers on your team is getting you to a championship. That's my point. It's not a guarantee because you have Aaron Rodgers, you're getting to the Super Bowl. It's not a guarantee. That's not his history. That's not what he's shown. And don't give me Green Bay's bad. Those Some of those Green Bay teams were very good. When Green Bay played Tampa in the playoffs, they were expected to win. They were favored to win. They were good enough to win, and they didn't. And Aaron Rodgers didn't really show up either. So don't give me that. But my point is, if you're the Jets and you have a young roster, a young team, why are you trying to go out there and beg and give up whatever you have to give up to get Aaron Rodgers to come to your team for two years? The guy spent the last few days in a complete dark room to decide if he wants to even play football anymore. The guy literally told you, I'm going to go on a retreat in total darkness to decide what I want to do with my future. You think that guy is fully committed to football? You think that guy is all in? You think that guy lives, breathes, eats doo-doos, and then re-eats the doo-doo football? Do you think he's all about it? Am I crazy to think maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't that into it anymore? Now, I've been saying that for years. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is that into football anymore. I think he does it because he's good at it. I think he does it because he kind of enjoys it. I think he does it because he's getting paid a lot of money to do so. I think he does it because he has friends on the team. But I don't think he's like... I think if someone told him, hey, man, you got to retire, he would say, all right, that's cool. Look, man, we all got friends, right? We all got friends that have tried some drugs, smoked a little weed done a little stuff, they all say the same. Once you start doing that, once you start messing with ayahuasca, once you start messing with DMT and all that other hallucination stuff, you start to get a different perspective on life. You've heard it. Look, you're listening to a podcast. If you're listening to me, you're listening to a podcast, you probably listen to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan has said a million times, taking shrooms and things like that will humble you, will, 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 will put the universe into perspective, will do all types of things. 
And Aaron Rodgers has started dabbling in that world. And what happens is you start to get perspective of this is just a game. See, as fans, we'll sit there and yell at the TV, scream at the TV, throw our hat down, throw our jersey in the garbage, go to work mad on Monday, think, oh, this is terrible. I'll come in here after Ohio State loses to Michigan and be like down for four days. We take it to heart. It's everything for us. But in reality, it's just a game. It's just a sport. That means nothing. Hey, guess what? Kansas City won the Super Bowl. What does that mean for life? Nothing. It's no different than saying, hey, that movie came out on Friday. Hey, Creed 3 came out last weekend. So? You can watch it or not. There's people that don't know who won the Super Bowl. There's people that don't know who Aaron Rodgers is. Like, there's people who, I don't know, don't even care. My wife is so unaffected by what happens in sports. It's unbelievable. I don't know how she does it. I sit and I say, I can't imagine a world where something happens in sports and I just don't have an opinion. I don't know about it. I don't know who that is. I don't, like, what? How do you do that? So for Aaron Rodgers, he's looking at it like, yo, this is a sport. This is a game. This is a job. It's fine. I'm not like, I'll do it. We all, look, look, we all got regular jobs, right? We all go to work. You don't love your job every day. You're not excited to be there every day. Sometimes you just go because it's your job. You have to. You made a commitment. You got to provide for your family. Some days you have really great days of work, and some days you don't want to be there at all. But you show up every day because, hey, man, got to do what you got to do. So it's not crazy to think that Aaron Rodgers doesn't like love football anymore. There's other things in his life to do. He's proved his point already. So if you're the Jets, you're going after him, and you're going to beg him like, hey, come commit to us and hope that it works out. Terrible idea. If I'm the Jets, I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, hey, let's have a plan. Because they're talking about keeping Zach Wilson because they want him to learn under Aaron Rodgers. Like, I'm sorry, what? What? Has that ever worked? Has that ever worked? Look, I'm, I know I'm ranting today. That's that energy juice. <laughs> I'm ranting, but look, I'm fired up about this because it doesn't make sense to me. I feel like it's Looney Tune land. All right, so when has there ever been a situation where we draft a quarterback in the top five, right? He's our guy. Three years in, we realize, ugh, he's not the guy. We bench him. Then we go out and mortgage our entire future on a aging superstar, bring him in, let him play now, and then when he's done, we bring back the young guy and have him start, and he takes off and excels. It's never happened. It's a terrible idea. You want to know why? Because I'll tell you why. Because Zach Wilson got demoted. Zach Wilson got benched. Zach Wilson got deactivated. He wasn't even active for some games. He wasn't even dressed for some games. He knows the only reason why Aaron Rodgers is coming into the building is because you don't believe in him. You gave his job to someone else. And now when that someone else says, all right, I'm done, you want to come running back to me and have me now be all in on you? Oh, no, I don't know. No, no. You're talking about football. You're talking about Zach Wilson who one of his major issues is he's immature and he's got a big ego and he's got a big head. And it's like, okay, so you think that guy who clearly was the man in middle school, the man in high school, the man in college, who thinks he's the man in the NFL, is all of a sudden going to humble himself and say, hey, whatever you guys need, I'm here for you, whatever you need. Like, no, no. 
No way in hell. No shot. No way. No way. It's not going to work. And that's if. That's if Aaron Rodgers even decides he wants to play for you. Which, to be honest with you, I don't know if he does. That media market, that scrutiny, like he would, like you thought the whole vaccine thing was was bad in Green Bay. Could you imagine if he was in New York? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That media coverage? Nah, no way. No way. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want nothing to do with that. Aaron Rodgers just wants to go play, go home, live his life, and be, he don't want to deal with nobody. That's facts. Now, I've spent a lot of time ranting about things I don't like, things I don't get. Here's something I love. Derek Carr to the Saints. Love that move for the Saints. Love it. I love it. And I'll tell you why. Derek Carr is not old. Derek Carr is not washed. Derek Carr is, you didn't have to give up anything to acquire him. Um, You didn't have to overpay to get him. And what he gives you is, say what you want about Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a very solid quarterback. Very solid. Anyone grading Derek Carr is going to grade him at a B. That's what he is. He can can have A-plus games. He can have D-plus games. But he, for nine games out of for, for 17 games in a year, for 14 of those games, you're getting a very solid quarterback. For one, you're going to get a great performance. For one, you're going to get a stinker. And for one, another one can go, you're probably going to get a little bit of both. But if you are the Saints, what you want is stability and maturity. Because you got a good defense. You got some good offensive weapons. I mean, Chris Olave, that receiving core, pretty good. And like I said, this this draft class is full of running backs. You can definitely pick one up in the draft. It's very possible. So you can add to this roster. You can really add to this roster. And now you have a quarterback for the foreseeable future who is an adult, who's mature, and who's clearly passionate about playing football. This is a guy that you know is a great teammate because Devontae Adams raved about him. They're still friends. No one on that team has come out and said anything. He was crying in the press conferences. All through last season when things were going terrible, he was right there as the face of everything and taking all of the heat. Never threw anybody under the bus. Never threw any any shade on the coaches. Took everything in stride. You know that he's mature because he made jokes about himself at the Pro Bowl. You know that he's mature because through the whole John Gruden situation, when you had that debacle of a situation, he was mature through that. So you know you're dealing with an adult. You know you're dealing with a genuinely good guy. Says all the right things, does all the right things, and it's honest, and it's 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 genuine. You're getting that. And now you can build around him and say, look, what does Derek Carr look like with great receivers, a great running game, and a great defense? Because I already made the case for you that, that Derek Carr has never played with a, with a good defense. The Raiders' defense has been trashed since 2002. 
What are we talking about? This is one of those moves that won't get enough attention, but that in three years we'll be looking back saying, wow, this this to me is on par with when they signed Drew Brees. That kind of, I don't know, but it was going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. I, I'm willing to bet whatever you want that Derek Carr will work for the Saints. And it's going to be a great pickup. You don't have to mortgage the future to try to draft anybody. And you still can get 10 years from Derek Carr. I believe that. So let's move on to the draft now. And I want to talk about something. I want to talk about overreacting to the combine. So the NFL scouting combine happened this past weekend. And of course, you know, that's where everyone does all the testing, the on-field drills, the 40-yard dash, the vert, the bench press, all this stuff that doesn't determine whether or not you can play football. And every year, without fail, there's always some overreaction. There's always some guy you never heard of who has an amazing combine, and now all of a sudden, he starts coming up in every mock draft. He's getting drafted to someone in the first round. Every team is talking about, well, I want that guy. If you go do mock drafts online, he's getting drafted higher than you would believe me. Like, I didn't know who this guy was last week. Happens all the time. And there's always a player who's getting a lot of hype, goes into the combine, has a great combine, and we come out of it thinking, oh, man, is, is he the guy now? And this year, it is none other than Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida. Now, coming into the combine, Anthony Richardson had a lot of hype. lot of hype because of his talent. Oh, look at his talent. Undeniable talent. Let me go back. Let me look at my notes. I have... I have Anthony Richardson rated as my second quarterback, right? If we're talking just about talent, tools, skills, all of that, sure. Sure. Super talented. But if we're talking about production, now again, I rated my top 10 quarterbacks in the draft or judge my draft quarterbacks based on what is your ability now? Not based on, hey, it again, it, it's graded on a system of like your arm talent, your this or that, like all of those different things, your athleticism, your your, your your speed, all that stuff, right? So you're just grading a guy. So Anthony Richardson is going to grade really high in anything that you grade just for physically. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to look at Anthony Richardson and say, look at this vertical. Bro, you play quarterback. You ain't Where are you jumping to? This ain't basketball. Oh, look at his speed. 4-4. Four, four. Like, where are you running to? You play quarterback. You're not running back. Look at his broad jump. Like, what? And now the NFL world is saying, oh, man, has Anthony Richardson changed the order? Now, watching the combine, something stood out to me more than anything. For whatever reason, they are enamored with Anthony Richardson. 6'4", 245, runs a 4'4". And they were talking about, oh, yeah, if you look at the league nowadays, your quarterback running 4'4", that's a real weapon. Oh, that's a real weapon. Look, 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 look. Look at Jalen Hurts running the ball. Look at Justin Fields running the ball. Daniel Jones running the ball. Hey, you know what all these quarterbacks have in common who run the ball a lot? They all miss time. Jalen Hurts missed time this year. 
Justin Fields, missed time this year. If you are a Lamar Jackson, missed time this year. If you're a quarterback who's going to run as a part of your offense, you're going to suffer injuries. It is a fact. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. There is no way around it. There's no way to avoid it. If you are a quarterback who's running the ball consistently as a part of your offense, you are going to suffer injuries. So why the hell am I trying to draft quarterbacks to do something I know is going to get them hurt? You are a quarterback. You are not used to taking shots the way you will have to if you are running as a part of your offense. You are not designed that way. Even Dak Prescott, a guy who doesn't run the ball often, when he does, suffers injuries. It's going to happen. All of a sudden, the NFL wants running quarterbacks. For my entire life, it's been, ah, you know, you can run, and that's a good thing. You know, it's great to be able to escape and get out when you need to, but we still need you to be a pocket passer. And now with Anthony Richardson, everyone's willing to overlook the fact that he's not a pocket passer. He completed 54% of his throws at Florida. Don't tell me they don't have no talent. It's Florida. They're recruiting good players. Florida. Like the hotbed of talent in college football. You're recruiting from that base. You got players. Anthony Richardson, not good at throwing the football. You can see it. In the combine, some of the some of the QB drills, he was throwing it low, skipped a couple, underthrew a couple, throw some way off. You can see him aiming when he throws. Hey, you know who doesn't aim when he throws? CJ Stroud. Who unanimously coming out, everyone said that might have been the best, the best throwing session I've ever seen at a combine. I watched CJ Stroud at the combine and said he might throw the football better than anyone I've ever seen. Like, like, it's so easy. It's so easy for him. He never looks like he's aiming. He never looks like he's throwing it hard. He never looks like he's putting, he's exerting much. It just it looks effortless. It's smooth. It's effortless. It's not herky-jerky. It's not, it doesn't look painful. It is so smooth. That, that man is smooth as eggs. He's hands down the best quarterback in this draft. Here's how the combine is supposed to work. You watch film on a player. Let's say I watch a running back. So, for example, I'm going to use me. I watch B. John Robinson, and my first thought was, good, a little slow, though. He seems a little slow, gets caught from behind a lot, seems like he doesn't have real breakaway speed, seems like he's, you know, I don't know. I like him, but I'm concerned about the speed. I watched him. Now, the combine comes up, and I say, let me see how he tests. Let me see how he runs the 40. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's got more speed than it looks like because, you know, I'm not on the field. Maybe on the field, it's different. Now, if he goes out there and he runs a 4-7, I say, all right, I wasn't wrong. If he goes out and runs a 4-2, I say, man, I was really wrong. That, that play speed, it, his play speed is a little different. So he comes out, and he runs like a 4-4-2. And I say, all right, I was wrong. I was a little wrong. 
He's not the fastest guy, but he's definitely faster than he looks, right? It's confirming something you already... You take the combine and you match it with the film that you've watched on the player already to come to a conclusion. If you're using the combine to determine whether or not you like a player, you're doing it wrong. Anthony Richardson completed 54% of his passes. That's a problem. That would show you that he's inaccurate and you think, is it a bad year or does he have issues throwing? So when he goes to the combine to throw, you watch him. And if the if he's throwing and it looks like it's difficult, if it looks like he's aiming, if it looks like he's having some trouble, if the throws are kind of all over the place, then you say, OK, that performance combined with the film I have saw of him paints the story of he has accuracy issues. You use the combine correctly. The combine is a tool to add to your other tools to come up with a final conclusion, not to be the determiner. So with Anthony Richardson, the concern was accuracy. And when you saw him at the combine, you saw that. Accuracy is an issue. Now, when it came to just throwing the deep ball, oh, threw it. Beautiful. Launch it out there. Got a great arm. You know who had the best arm in the deep ball? CJ Stroud. I told my wife, I said, look, watch this throw. When he was throwing a deep ball, I said, just look at him. Don't look at the ball. Just look at him when he throws it. And when you look at him, I said, how far did that ball go? You might say, nah, 10 or 12 yards. And then you look up and it traveled 60 yards in the air. That's how effortlessly he throws the ball. It's, it's, it's natural for him. He's so natural throwing the ball. And then you look at Anthony Richardson and you can see him gear up, put some muscle on it to get it out there. And you're like, oh, okay. Anthony Richardson is not a natural quarterback. He's not. You know what he is? In my opinion, since the beginning of time, actually not the beginning of time, but for a long time since I was in school, it used to be take your best athlete and put him at quarterback because you want your best athlete to have the ball in their hands at all times. So my brother, for example, uh, my older brother, was not the best quarterback. Like, right? like he'll, he'll even tell you, like, I don't know. But he was by far the best athlete on the team. Right. So they put him at quarterback because, hey, it's high school. Right. It's high school. We, 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 we're not going to throw it 45 times. That's not the kind of that's not the kind of system we got. We don't have that kind of it's a small school. We're not going to do that, but we're going to run a lot. And I would love for you to have the ball in your hands every time because you're the best athlete on the field. I can drop you back for a pass. And if it ain't there, you could take off and run and get me 35, 40 yards. So that's that's what it is. Like you take Anthony Richardson when he's younger and say, yo, this guy is a freak. Give him the ball every time. Let him make a decision. Throw it if you can. But if not, go ahead and take off. He's not a natural quarterback. Now, he can grow into a good quarterback. I'm not saying he can't. He's got all the everything's there. If his work ethic is top notch, if he is just committed to being the greatest of all time, that guy's going to be scary. But the history in the combine shows you he's got some real problems throwing the ball. They need to be addressed. Forget the 40 number. Forget the broad jump. Forget the vertical. Forget all of that. His throwing session confirmed a lot of thoughts that I already had, which was, hey, eh, the guy's going to have some issues. Now, Lamar Jackson was given a a non-exclusive franchise tag, which I think is weird. But basically, he's able to go talk to other teams and find a deal. 
And if he does, then the Ravens can either match the deal or they will get two first-round picks. Now, I love this for both sides. I love it for both sides because Lamar Jackson feels that he has a number that he's worth. And I'm sure that number is to make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So I love that he now has the opportunity to go find that what he's worth somewhere else. He has the freedom to do so. But I also love it for Baltimore's side because Baltimore is saying, hey, look, I know what you think you're worth. But I don't think that's what you're going to get on the open market. I think you're sticking us up. We don't want to pay that number. We have concerns. We want to be able to build a good team around you. We want to give you a little bit less. But you are free to go find it. And if you do, you'll get what you want and we'll get properly compensated with two first-round picks. Both sides are getting exactly what they want from this. Now, here's what I'm going to say, though. Now I have to put on the GM hat from another team. The first question I'm asking my 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 leadership, my trust, my trust group, is, hey, guys, outside of 2019 when he won the MVP, has Lamar Jackson done anything to tell you he's the best quarterback in the NFL? No. We would all say that. We all think that nobody thinks he's... Does anyone think Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the NFL? No? All right, so he shouldn't get paid more than anybody else. I'm sick and tired of this next man up gets the big money. That's how you get yourself into trouble. That's how Ezekiel Elliott is sitting in a contract right now where you're stuck with him for two more years and you're going to have to cut him because no matter how much you like this guy, he's way overpaid because he was the next man up, so he got the biggest contract. I don't like this that the next man up, that's why Daniel Jones has got $160 million over four years because he was next man up. Well, if you're paying Daniel Jones 40 mil a year, what do you have to pay Joe Burrow? What do you have to pay him? What do you have to pay Justin Herbert? What do you have to pay these other guys who are clearly better than Daniel Jones? If Daniel Jones got 40 mil, what does Lamar Jackson get now? So I don't like that. I don't like just blindly saying, well, here's the here's what we do. The next guy up gets all the money. I don't like that. I think that's stupid. I think you pay people based on their worth. And in the NFL, I don't pay you for what you did. I pay you for what I think you can do. Saquon Barkley, I don't think your best years are ahead of you. So I can't pay you for your best years because I don't think that's what I'm going to get. Now, Lamar Jackson's best years could be ahead of him. But he's been in the league for a few years. And he had one really great year. One really great year and won the MVP. But outside of that, most people would say he's in the top 10 just because. Because perception is that. Because that year was so great. But in reality... You can argue it. It's not a lock. It's not a given. I don't think you put him over Josh Allen. I don't think you put him over Joe Burrow. I don't think you put him over Aaron Rodgers at this point right now. I don't think you put him over Mahomes. I don't think you, I don't think you put, I don't know if you put him over Jalen Hurts. Again, man. 
there's it's tough so do you want to pay this guy top dot like it's so frustrating because I am pro player but I always have to come on here and I always have to come from the perspective of the owners and the GMs and say, well, you're not worth this and you're not worth that. The, the greatest quote on this is you're worth what someone's willing to pay. Like I always say, hey, people say, hey, man, this this comic book is worth four million dollars. You can't take it to a bank and cash it in for four million dollars. You can't take it anywhere in America and cash that comic book in for four million dollars that you're telling me it's worth. You have to find someone with $4 million who wants that comic book bad enough to pay $4 million for it. That's where the value comes in. That's, your your thing is only worth what someone's willing to pay. You could say, hey, these Jordans are worth $1,000. If no one wants to pay $1,000, guess what you're not getting for those Jordans? $1,000. So don't tell me Lamar Jackson's worth X amount of dollars. Not if no one wants to pay it. Now I'm interested to see how many teams are going to line up to pay Lamar Jackson the number he wants. Is he going to take lesser somewhere else just to prove a point? I don't know. That'd be foolish. Because again, in Baltimore, if nothing else, they have shown you over the years, they are going to put a good team together. They're going to. That's just what they do. Great organization, great run. If I were him, I would stay with them and I'd work on a deal and I'd back off of my number and say, I'm not going to hold strong to this. Give me what I need to set myself, my children, and their children up for life. And that's what they offered. That's what they offered. Hey, man. The grass isn't always greener. This is uh, this episode is running long. I got a lot to say, bro. I got a few more topics I want to get into before we go. And maybe, maybe we'll try not to drag this out too much. So Texas came out recently and said that Arch Manning, freshman, um, nephew of uh, Peyton and Eli, is going to be, is going to battle for the starting position with Quinn Ewers. They're going to compete for the starting job. Steve Sarkeesian came out and said, hey, look. I'm not handing him anything, but I want to see what he's got. I want to see where he is and let him compete for the job, and the best guy will play. Uh, I only bring this up because Quinn Ewers was a five-star prospect, one of the highest-graded prospects of all time, and Ohio State landed him. He went there, got like a million-dollar NIL deal, sat on the bench behind C.J. Stroud when C.J. Stroud, when Ohio State struggled and lost a single game to Oregon. Everyone was calling for Quinn Ewers' needs to play. Quinn Ewers, needless to say, didn't play. Then he transferred after the season, went down to Texas, played at Texas last year, and I got to tell you, hey, man, the fact that he's being forced to compete for his job in his second year in the system says a lot. I said for a while, I don't see it with Quinn Ewers. I don't get the hype. Then he came out and played against Alabama, and I said, oh, I see it. Now, throughout the rest of the year, you know what I said? Oh, he's one of those guys that's super talented, but he's a bozo. 
Now, I don't know him, obviously, but you know what? The mullet haircut, the NIL deals, the shady thing about did he go, he enrolled in Ohio State early to get the money and then left. Did he not want to compete at Ohio State for a starting job? Did he run to Texas because that's where he wanted to go all along, but Ohio State offered more money and he knew he could get there, get the money, and then transfer? Something's going on with Quinn Ewers to say they don't believe in him the way they should believe in a five-star, highest-rated prospect. And now they got Arch Manning coming in and saying, hey, go ahead and fight for your job, and I'm going to make a prediction. I think Arch Manning wins the starting job next year for Texas. Moving on. John Morant is suspended and is in the news again because he flashed a gun on IG Live. Amidst all his other allegations of beating up a 17-year-old, which, what the hell are you doing? Amidst all the other nonsense, John Morant is literally spiraling down the toilet in front of our eyes. And I love John Morant. I wanted him on the Knicks so badly. Everyone was saying, oh, man, the Knicks, I hope the Knicks get the number one pick for Zion. And I said, forget Zion. Give me John Morant. John Morant is better than Zion. That's what I said. Partly because Zion's never available. And he's never going to be available. It's another Anthony Davis situation down there. Congratulations, New Orleans. You got rid of Anthony Davis and brought in another Anthony Davis. But John Morant. Is spiraling down the toilet. Now, I just want to touch on this. You don't... I'm trying to think of how to say this. I, there's no way to say it. There's I, I can't even put into words what I'm thinking because my thought... You know what? Here's how you say it. Stop being an idiot. Hey, John Morant. I know John Morant doesn't listen to this. <laughs> It'll never get back to him, but I'm going to say it anyway. Hey, John Morant, stop being an idiot. Do better. Do better. I feel like a dad. You know how your dad will look at you or your mom will look at you and say, hey, do better. And like it crushes your soul and your spirit because you know like, oh, you just know. They don't have to say anything more than that. It's like that age old, like I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. That's what it is. Job, we're disappointed in you. The world is at your feet. And you're doing stupid stuff like this. Knock it off. I hope the NBA suspends him for a while. I hope he learns a real lesson from this. I hope he changes things and turns things around. And if you're not going to turn it around, at least hide it a little better. (laughs) Stop beating up kids and pick up games at your house. You don't have to do that. Like, what could the kid possibly have done to deserve you to beat him up? You play in the NBA. Come on, bro. Chill out. Other basketball news, look, Jalen Brunson deserves more conversation and topic of conversation for being the MVP. That's right. Of the NBA, he deserves more consideration. Why, do you ask? Okay. Okay. Here's why. If LeBron James went to the Orlando Magic and their win total improves at all, and that team looks better at all, we would be talking about him in the MVP conversation. Correct? We all agree. Jalen Brunson has gone to the Knicks and totally changed the identity of that team. The whole identity of the team looks different. 
that team looks competent. They look capable. They are having a really good year. And he was the big addition they made. And nobody's talking about it like, oh, yeah, you know. Joker needs to be MVP. What about Giannis? It's the same guys. It's like, bro, we're talking about MVP, most valuable player. Not best player in the NBA. The MVP is not the best player in the NBA. The MVP is the most valuable player. The guy that, hey, he's making the biggest difference of anybody else in the league. And Jalen Brunson has gone to the Knicks and changed the way that team looks and the way they play. And he is also performing at a high level, having a career year. Anybody else in the league does that and we talk about maybe we should consider them for MVP. Look at what a difference it is since since he's been on the team. Look how different they are. That's the MVP. Right? Like, am I off? Now, look, I'm not saying he should win MVP. All I'm saying is the national media should be taking more look at Jalen Brunson and the impact he's had on that Knicks team and organization. Because guess what we're not doing? We're not talking about how dysfunctional the Knicks are. We're not talking about James Dolan. We're not talking about the security at the Garden. We're actually talking about the Knicks on the court. For the first time in forever. For the first time in forever. We're talking about the Knicks actually playing basketball. (laughs) Yes, we're talking about the Knicks on the court. We're not talking about nonsense about like all the other off the court stuff because the on the court is so uninteresting. They're actually performing on the court. And the biggest reason for that is Jalen Brunson has come in and changed the whole identity of the team. He deserves more. He deserves consideration or to be in the conversation of, hey, some J.J. Reddick should ask, hey. Should we be looking at Jalen Brunson as an MVP candidate? That's all I'm asking for. Just a little acknowledgement of it. Hey, I'm about, all right, so I'm going to end the show, right? But I got one I got one more topic. One more thing I wanted to talk about because it popped into my head yesterday. And I'm about to ruffle some feathers. <laughs> but I did my research. I did my research. Check it out. Here's my question. Is it possible? Is it possible that Kevin Durant could quietly be the actual greatest player of all time? Crickets. Crickets. (laughs) That was the worst cricket impression. My bad, y'all. Look, here's what I I came to, right? So how this came into my mind is uh, I I was watching Undisputed, I think, and someone said that he's one of the greatest scorers of all time. And my first thought was, no, he is the greatest scorer of all time. And then I said, oh, no, but you got LeBron. LeBron's actually the greatest scorer of all time, right? And then it reminded me of the conversation of when people always said, is LeBron the greatest scorer of all time? And everyone said, oh, yeah, he is. But, like, he's not even a scorer, and yet he's still, like, a great scorer. And Kevin Durant is considered a scorer, but, like, he doesn't do X, Y, and Z, da, da, da. And then I I started to think, hold on a second. Hold on a second. When has Kevin Durant ever been the guy on his team? Oh, interesting. So let me repeat that. We all will acknowledge that Kevin Durant probably was the best player on every team he's been on. Got it. But LeBron James has literally controlled the flow of offense for every team he's played for. When he came in the league, they gave him the keys to the team and said, hey, you're the guy. 
Everything goes through you. You got first option to shoot or pass or whatever you want to do. You have total control of that. That's you. He goes to Miami. He says, hey, this is D. Wade's team. He has the keys. I'll play number two. You know what they did? Hey, uh, nah, um, actually, can you be number one? Because we like it better when you're number one. All right, cool. Now he's got the keys in Miami. He goes back to Cleveland. Got the keys in Cleveland. Goes to L.A. Got the keys in L.A. Kevin Durant, the biggest knock on Kevin Durant would be he just wants to play basketball. He don't want to run the team. He don't want to control. He just wants to go out there and hoop. That's it. He don't care about none of that other stuff. And I would say this to you. Kevin Durant played eight years in Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook. Westbrook controlled the ball. Westbrook at times didn't pass it. There was whole conversations about Westbrook is ruining things and is not giving Durant the ball. He's trying to be the man when he's supposed to play second fiddle to Durant. So he wasn't the main guy there. He wasn't, you know, the first shooting option, essentially. LeBron James has never been in a situation where there was someone who was shooting as much as him. He was always like the first option. Well, with Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant wasn't exactly the first option. Westbrook was trying to get his too. Then he goes to Golden State, where Steph Curry was the first option. Steph Curry was shooting just as much as Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant didn't have the control of the offense. Steph Curry was controlling that bad boy too. Then he goes to Brooklyn, where he plays with Kyrie Irving, a ball-dominant guard who controls the flow of the offense. Then they also brought in James Harden, who's another ball-dominant guy. And he wasn't, again, the first option. Now, I know what you're saying. You're probably saying, yeah, but that's the point. The fact that he's the greatest, and then nobody wants to let him be the ace guy. I guess what I'm saying is this. Is he a better scorer than LeBron? Yes. And the reason being because LeBron is not as good a three-point shooter as Durant. He's not as good a mid-range shooter as Durant. And he's not as good a free-throw shooter as Durant. So four ways you can score at the rim, mid-range, free-throw line, three-pointers. Kevin Durant is better than LeBron at three of those four. And the fourth one, getting to the rim, you're, you're, you're you know, splitting hairs. I have confidence Durant's going to finish around the rim the same way I have confidence that LeBron would too. Kevin Durant has more ways to score. But through his life, he hasn't had the freedom that LeBron has had. So I looked up the numbers. In OKC, for eight years, Kevin Durant was averaging 19 shots a game. Westbrook was averaging 15. He goes to Golden State. He was averaging 18. The second best guy. Steph Curry averaging 18 as well. He was shooting just as much as anybody. He wasn't shooting more than anybody else. When he went to Brooklyn, he was getting 19 shots up a game. Kyrie Irving was leading the way at 21. I think Kevin Durant is far greater than people realize or than we will ever get him credit for, than he will ever get himself credit for. Because I think his desire to just hoop and play basketball and not really get into all that stuff causes him to be a little more laid back and relaxed. Like, ah, yeah, you got it, young fella. You got it. We cool. 
LeBron never would have went to Golden State and let it be Steph Curry's show. LeBron's wired different. LeBron grew up in a different like generation where he was running the flow of the offense, controlling it like this. It they're they're different players, but the reality is if if Kevin Durant had the green light everywhere he went and and was playing like, yo, it go ahead, go crazy. Kevin Durant could average 35 points a game in the NBA, no problem. If Kevin Durant was trying to lead the league in scoring every year, he would. Like no like what are you talking about? I feel like I just wasted the last 5 minutes proving no point at all. <laughs> I didn't even prove I wasn't even making an argument. I was just kind of saying like it was weird to me that I thought like man, Kevin Durant never was like Kevin Durant's always been with someone who's kind of like you know I I don't want to say defer to, but like almost like not have the freedom to say, yo, it's all on you. And part of that is by design because he had that in, in Brooklyn and he left. But now he's going to Phoenix where you have Devin Booker now who's going to shoot probably as much if not more than you. So, again, you just want to hoop. You don't want to deal with the other hoopla. So, I guess, you know, I guess the only point is don't get it twisted. Kevin Durant is the best scorer in the NBA and probably the best scorer of all time because – there's nothing on the court in terms of scoring. Any way you want a player to score, he could do it. And you can't guard him. He's too tall. He's too skilled. Too good a handle. He's just unguardable. And perhaps his laid-back attitude has held him back from being the greatest player of all time. That's my time, y'all. Look, I appreciate y'all coming through it today. Again, follow me on social media at cyber underscore pod. That's S-I-B-R underscore P-O-D. Follow me on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok. That's right. I'm on TikTok, posting up little TikToks. You can follow me there. Uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, wherever you do. Uh, yeah, just follow me everywhere. <laughs> we are building the community. We got some uh, exciting things coming up. Uh, we are... We are working on some merch. That is right. We are designing some merch. Uh, thinking about um, releasing some of that soon. Maybe some mock-ups. Get your opinion. So make sure you follow me on social media so you can see. Uh, be the first to see some of that stuff. Let me know what you think. Um, we're also uh, working on a Discord. Working on uh, a Patreon. We are working on a lot of stuff to expand the cyber family. Thank you all for listening. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Spread it like crazy. Um, listen, sports are a wonderful thing. Uh, it's great to argue about it, to debate about it, because look, it's harmless. It's all fun. It's all love. You can call me an idiot. I can call you a moron, and we can still hug it out after and have fun and get ready to do it again tomorrow. So we will be back next week with another great episode. I'll see you then. <laughs>